0: ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music, and more. We haven't done any spinal stretches, but that's a good reminder. I've got to do that. I've got to do cat-cow.
1: Cat-cow. Yeah, I've got Cat-cow. cow Cat-cow. <laughs> cat
0: Let's bloody do it. Bang.
1: Bang. 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 Bang, Bang. Bang on. Hello, Zen. Hello, Mib. The best birthday song ever, Stevie Wonder.
0: Happy birthday, Miff Warhurst. Thank you.
1: Wouldn't normally be an issue, but it, it was a significant birthday. A so. significant birthday. 50. I hit 50. How are you 50? I don't know. I don't feel 50. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I I just don't feel it, but I don't know what that's supposed to feel like.
0: I feel like it's changed. I, yeah. the, the idea of what ageing is compared to when we were growing up to what we are in now has shifted immeasurably.
1: Yeah, like I feel like my idea of 50 when I was a kid was, you know like nana Retired. nana <laughs> and I am a nana but I don't feel like a nana do you know what I mean like I have very nana activities in my life <laughs> these days but yeah I, I certainly don't I don't really understand what's going on when it comes to that and I thought I would be in a lot of fear of turning 50 because you know we've often talked about aging on on bang on here yeah and I thought I'd, it would make me anxious but I'm actually really enjoying it it's I, really nice it's like I'm 50, fucking 50. Yeah. <laughs> Proud of it. Proud of it. I've made it this far, you know. Like Another with one for my, the T-shirt as well. With, I'm
0: fucking 50. Yeah,
1: with my health <laughs> intact, which, you know, as you get older, that changes, and also my mental health. Some would say that's debatable at points, but I feel like I've done okay, you know, in that sense. And and really as, as everything else sort of fades according to societal standards mm. about what you should look like and how you should be, Um that's really the only important thing your yeah. health and your and your mind
0: this is what you realize as you get older too the things yeah. that
1: matter yeah and i feel like they're all right they feel pretty robust at this point so i'm i'm really pleased how was your health on tuesday morning after <laughs> your surprise party how was the hangover <laughs> oh it was amazing oh gosh i had no idea i was told by my partner that there would be a dinner for my family which would be my brothers and their partners and that was it um At a restaurant that is run by a friend of ours. And so I thought, it's a Monday night. It's a bit weird. There might be a few extra bodies there maybe just, you know, for the dinner, a couple of extra. (laughs) Um, And I walked in and there was every person I've ever loved in my life, just about everybody. Um, I didn't organise it. I had no idea. And I've just looked out and it was like – Oh, it was like a roller coaster everywhere I went. I went, Oh, you're here. You're here. It was wild. It was so emotional and yeah, I never I've never experienced anything like that in my life.
0: And deservedly so you got that surprise party as well. Brian did a good job. He
1: did do a good job.
0: It was fun seeing you in a fugue state as well. (laughs) Walking in and going, what? I was like, oh, I hope she's okay. She looks really overwhelmed.
1: I just cried. I walked in the room and looked around and I was like, see, and then I started spotting everybody and I just started crying. Which is perfectly normal. I'm quite emotional. But um, it was, yeah, it was beautiful. The was things that
0: matter, right? Yeah, exactly. The people that matter.
1: Exactly. And there they were, most of them just all laid out in the one room. And watching them all mingle was great. Although I feel like I didn't talk to anyone because it was so full on and hectic.
0: Kind of like a wedding, right?
1: It was, which I've never had. So there you go. <laughs>
0: I feel like those kind of surprise birthdays for significant parties where there was people, it was an amazing room of people and people had flown in from all over Australia, but it's kind of like you've had your wedding and your funeral in one go. I know. In the best of ways, without paying a shit tonne of money and also without dying, so it's great. Exactly.
1: I kind of thought that. I thought, well, that's a nice send-off if I had one. (laughs) Um, And it was beautiful and I feel really you know hashtag #blessed I genuinely do and I felt very grateful the next day with my terrible hangover um but yes it was <laughs> wonderful it was amazing and I loved seeing you there I feel like I didn't even talk to you I properly I knew I
0: talked to you this week it was fine I was I like
1: know. Well,
0: you've got plenty of other people to talk to oh, from gosh. far further away than down the road it was it was just
1: so beautiful I feel so lucky yeah
0: well you deserve it all as I said to you, you on Monday and on Tuesday you know this is testament to who you are, that there was this amazing group of people and everyone wanted to show you the love because I think that your brothers put it best. This is what I've always thought about you. You... Are one of the busiest people I know and you always make sure that everyone around you is okay and taken care of. So it was nice to treat you oh, that's to really make sure lovely. that you were taken Thank care of and Sam. to celebrate you because you're just, you know, that's the testament to the
1: people, the person you are, that there was those people in the room. That's so kind. I feel like I haven't been the best of friends to anyone this last couple of years. It's just been so busy and so, I mean, you probably, we all feel it after after lockdowns and all of that. I just feel like maybe I haven't been the best of friends to some people and I think that's probably something I need to work on a bit more. Life is long, babes. Life is long, I know. Give yourself a break. I know, but I I think that is what's valuable, your friendships and your partnerships and your health and your mind. Yeah. That's it, really. Everything else can all drop away in a second.
0: Which we take stock of a lot on Bang On every week and I think that maybe something that was taken stock of a lot in the series alone, which kind of wound up last week but I hadn't watched the finale and I'm also reticent to talk too much about um, big winners of shows because you're scared of giving spoilers. I reckon with this one there's been so much stuff on social media now that if you don't know then um, are you even alive? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, I haven't
1: watched the series and I do intend to. I just haven't had the time. I know who won.
0: Gina! Yeah. Who and was my favourite from favorite. the start. She yeah. was favourite. I was like, who is this absolute force of a woman And she really did, I reckon, her and Mike, who were the final two, both operated within that incredibly fierce and tough Tasmanian wilderness in the same way. They tried to work with the environment instead of against it or conquering it, as some of the other contestants did. They were very zen in their approach. They both stacked on about... 20 kilos before they went in to make sure that they had a big lot of fat to chew through if they couldn't find food, which a, a lot lo- of them
1: couldn't. Yeah, exactly. You'd be starving out there. I'm just waiting for my phone call from the alone producers. I've been waiting for this moment.
0: <laughs> I-, I couldn't do it. I could not do it. It's so
1: intense. Oh, my God. It was be mental, so like full the, on. the
0: mentality of just being completely alone. And, of course, you can only take a certain amount of items. I just want to take what a What did she book. take? She took a possum for coat, which is one of the, instead of taking, you know, a, a sleeping bag or something, she chose to take a possum for. coat. Was that a wise
1: decision? Obviously, she I won. I think it
0: worked out for her. I think that she took a few hooks. I'm trying to remember what else she took. She took a block of salt. Oh,
1: she's my girl. <laughs>
0: Jeez. Hang on! Didn't you used to take, or yeah, don't you still? still. T- Hang on! You there's took a salt. Sachet of salt. You in my took bag. The salt into "I'm a Celebrity." Get me out of here! I
1: did. I took salt. <laughs> I'd got, it got taken off me, but I've, I think I've got a salt sachet in my bag right now. I always just make sure I have one because there's never enough salt on anything, and I know it's apparently bad for you. But
0: I think that she was trying whatever. to take the salt to more dry out the fish than season things. But yes. I appreciate both of
1: your <laughs> She would have done a little to- bit of seasoning there too. <laughs> a
0: little salt bay yeah. in the Tasmanian wilderness. <laughs> Oh, man, it's still worth watching, though. I kind of, I missed a few episodes because I've been traveling and a bit busy and stuff, but I sort of just caught up on the last couple and it's totally fine to jump in and out and just such a brilliant series. And I'm just so glad that the local, first local version of Alone was so good. And she's a woman who won, which is quite rare in Alone. In the US version, it's all been male-identifying contestants who have won. Mm. I think in Denmark, the female contestant won, Um, but it's rare. So go Gina. And can I just say one of the things that I love so much about it was when the reveal happened, which was the medical team came out to check on her, quote-unquote check on her, Um, and while they were doing their medical checks, um, as they do regularly during a loan, her good friend, who was the father of her her child as well, just snuck up behind her. Uh. And so when she realises, sort of catches him out of the corner of her eye that he's there, she's just like... What the fuck? And his way of telling her, is like, you won. And he's like, you're a fucking legend. You're a fucking legend. <laughs> <laughs> like, that just, a whole series was so Australian, but that was just like the cherry on top. You're a fucking legend. I'm like, yes, you are a fucking legend, Jena. Oh, my
1: God. <laughs> fuck, that's amazing. I've got so to watch good. it just for that because you know the cocky that gets in trouble for saying, I'm a fucking legend.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you catchphrase. So, <laughs> so fucking good. legend. So, so good. One of the other things... Also,
1: look up cocky, fucking legend.
0: (laughs) (laughs) One of the other things that wrapped up in the last week was Succession, the finale, the big end. Now, have you actually caught up in the midst of all your crazy couple of weeks on the latest episodes? no.
1: I wanted to and I started and and then I thought, oh no, I've actually got about five episodes to catch up with because as I said, I hadn't watched it since the big... Topical episode that we discussed a couple of weeks ago, um, and so I started to watch, and then I thought, no, I'll just skip to the last one. And then that, once I'd started, there was no way I was going to skip through. You just have to watch it all.
0: You got to relish it—the writing yeah. and everything, the the reveal, all of it. Things change so much, and every episode is such a feast. So you don't want to skip through it all. No,
1: exactly. So I figured, and this is my excuse for not being um, on, you know, on point this week, is that maybe we can talk about it next week. Yeah. Once so yeah, everyone's. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people are up. still
0: catching up. People have been busy, so not all Bang Fam. We understand Bang Fam. Yeah. yeah sometimes you take a while to get to things. That's right. Um, we understand that we're usually the ones to explain them to you, but this week we're not going to. <laughs>
1: we'll do it next week when you've all caught up.
0: So if anybody's worrying about spoilers around succession this week, we're not going to talk about it this week. I do want to share some breaking news that just came through a few hours ago, this though. This is Miv. amazing. <laughs>
1: You sent this to me this morning on Instagram and I didn't check Instagram until like I literally got in here and went (laughs) downstairs. I was like, oh, my God, what?
0: We've been talking a lot about the Sex and the City reboot and just like that uh, because we love to hate watch it. It's, you know, it's good, it's bad, it's questionable. We're watching every second of it and we're so excited for the next season to drop (laughs) in June. And apparently, according to Variety, Kim Cattrall will appear... In an episode of And Just Like That.
1: Hell hath frozen this. over. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. Hell this. hath frozen. It's amazing. I cannot believe it. Well, because, you know, there was text messages sent between Sarah Jessica Parker's character and Kim Cattrall's character. Within the series. Within the series. Yeah. And I think the guest... Appearance will also be a little pretensies, as in they won't be in the same room. Mm. As far as I can gather from what you sent me, they'll be on the phone, yes. continuing their, <laughs> their teleph- telephonic relationship.
0: Yeah, I think that we know that Kim Cattrall, um, in true neighbours form, hasn't moved to Perth, but has moved to London. And the character has been distant um, after a disagreement. So yeah, it's going to have her on a phone conversation with Sarah Jessica Parker. Maybe the final episode. Oh. I'm not quite sure. How much money do you think Kim Cattrall was paid for this? An
1: awful, (laughs) awful lot, I would say. It's
0: funny, isn't it, that they feel like it's just so public, this disagreement, whatever it is, even Kim Cattrall's been quite graceful about it, sort of saying, you know what, I think it's run its course. And then there's been other things that have come out about, you know, their relationship, tensions and stuff like that. But we're so on top of all the conversations around it. Do we need to see... Her in the show is it going yes. to get eyeballs? <laughs> yes,
1: I just want her back. You just want to see That's what's it. going to happen. I just want her back. That would be that would be absolutely brilliant with her back.
0: Is it closure? Do you reckon it's closure as well?
1: No, no look, she just no. It's not closure for me. She just needs to be back in the show. Essentially, it's going to save it. God, I hope that it's going to save
0: it. <laughs> A five-minute scene with her on the phone, <laughs> recorded in some studio far, far away from Cynthia Nixon and Sarah Jessica Parker, is going to be uh, saving the second season of And Just Like That. I'm here for that review. I'm here for that pre-review. June, now, June is when it all kicks off June as well. is when
1: it kicks off. But yeah, no, I think her, actu- her actually appearing back in the series, as per usual, will save it.
0: Okay. Very excited for that. Breaking news. Also breaking news that you sent me through this morning. There's going to be a local version of The
1: Office. This is amazing. Amazing. Felicity Ward, comedian, uh, wonderful woman, is based in the UK now, um, but has very much established herself here in Australia. She will, here in Australia. Sorry, I'm not speaking properly. <clears throat> here in Australia she will be appearing as uh, the main character the the David Brent character in an Australian version of The Office. Now, of course this news is met with from people like me, "Oh my god, that's amazing, that's incredible." Cuz I actually really think these spin-offs the American Office, they proved to be very different beasts yeah. to the original and I liked that about that. They didn't just kind of lift and Replace. So I feel like the Australian one will be very much an Australian thing and hopefully the writing around it will be great as well. There's a cast of magnificent locals, incredible cast, Edith Poore, uh, Steen Raskopoulos, Shari Sebbins, Josh Thompson, Johnny Brew. Um, oh, he's beautiful, what we do in the shadows. Ah, jo- Johnny Brew um, and a whole bunch of people, Feresta from Underbelly. You'll know their faces. It's going to be great.
0: She's also the first female boss in an office spinoff, right? Mm. This is the kind of first as well. And I think that, you know, like you said, there's a different take on the office as a as a story idea in different parts of the world. But also, office politics has changed a lot. So Absolutely. I'm kind of curious about how that plays out. I saw a couple of people being cynical about this, like, oh, so uh, boring to have an um, a TV show that's twenty years old. Being rehashed again. That's literally every TV show and movie now. Absolutely. (laughs) Like, if you're going to, like, fire shots at this, then fire shots are bloody everything. It's all about nostalgia. It's all about proven concepts. And I know that sometimes that can be frustrating if you're a new creator, but this is not the first time that this has happened. No,
1: no, not at all. And (laughs) and as there'll be. Writers that are involved, local writers. It will have an Australian take, as the American one did. So I'm looking forward to it.
0: I'm looking forward to it too. I think shooting's beginning in June. I think it'll be sometime in 2024.
1: And Felicity has wonderful physical comedy as well. She does. So there's there's going to be something about her character that will be so endearing slash terrifying, which is you know that character played to perfection. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so so hard that but you can't so, you know stop looking. It's just yeah. like so awful that you can't look away. On the Amazon Prime tip as well, this is a production through them, Um, I just wanted to shout out Deadlock, which is the the Kate's new series, which kicks off this week. And um, uh, I will say, uh, to be clear, one of my mates stars in it, Tom Ballard. He plays Sven, a police officer that doesn't want to be a police officer. Um, There's a heap of great people like Nina Oyama and a whole bunch of other folk in Deadlock. I'm really excited about this series. It looks really good. It looks like it's kind of... Money's been put into it, which I know is maybe a crass thing to say, but it looks like it's going to be a good series.
1: And I'm sorry, but they just did the premiere. And the two of them looked absolutely incredible. Have you seen the photos? Oh, I saw the photos. Stunning. Absolutely stunning. Not that what you wear is important, but my goodness, they looked amazing and the whole cast looked amazing.
0: Yeah, very exciting. So that's dropping too. Just good to see lots of local content being made. I think that some of the streaming services have been stepping that up a lot in recent times. So it's not just the ABC who's making local content, but it's all these new players as well, as it should be. Hey, you sent me another article this week about our old mate Taylor Swift.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Interesting kind of conversations around her relationship
1: with Maddie Healy. Maddie Healy, the singer of the 1975, and I have to say... The rise of the 1975 was in my trough period. I was not peak radio. I I've really, admittedly, missed the boat on their music completely. I have no recollection of, you know, I can't think of a song that that they might sing and that's definitely aging me out. But I don't know much about him. Can you tell me about him?
0: Well, I know little bits and pieces because he is, as you say, the kind of human headline variety of UK performers. The Mm. 1975 have been together for, I think, 20 years. A long
1: time, and that's why I feel bad about having missed it. Well, I don't think they've been played on Australian radio for a long time. Well, I know that he had a go at Triple J for not playing their music on Australian (laughs) radio, so that's confirmed.
0: Yeah, he's a spicy boy, Um, and I think that for some people that can be a little bit grating because it does seem to happen a lot with UK rock and roll
1: dudes, doesn't You know it? more they... about them than their music necessarily.
0: And they seem to say things to agitate for the sake of agitating, for staying in the headlines. So um, I am also one of those people that's kind of like, oh, what's Maddie Healy-, Healy said today? I don't really care, whatever. But I think that there's this new level of people who are in the way that they take kind of ownership of Taylor Swift's life really unhappy with the fact that she's dating him. He's been on a podcast recently where the two hosts were saying things that were really inappropriate. Some of that's been conflated as though he said it, but I think the fact that he didn't sort of challenge it is problematic for people. And as a result of that, um, her fans have launched a campaign, hashtag Speak Up Now, Mm. that kind of implicitly demands that she break up with Healy. First of all, there's been no confirmation from either of them that they're dating. but They are working together. Seen, hanging out, Um, there's been little clues. Whatever it is, it's nobody's business. Who cares? Like, obviously a lot of people care. But this demand, this kind of campaign that she, like a public figure, breaks up with someone in private who hasn't done anything awful, hasn't hurt anyone, hasn't become – I mean, whatever you feel about him – He's not done anything terrible that would suggest that you need to, you're able to say, oh, look, it's, it's wrong that you're with him. It just takes it an extra step, doesn't it? Well, I
1: think why we're talking about this, because why would I even bother with Taylor Swift's you know, relationships, it's never really been a big interest of mine. I know that there's a lot of nuggets in her music that are all about the relationships that she's had and and people really put that narrative onto her songs and try and work it out. CSI, yeah. Yeah, I've never really been that interested. But what this particular topic is really highlighting is fan culture and the state of fan culture in the world at the moment. Mm. And I think with the rise of social media, with that real glimpse into the lives of celebrities, now it's almost to the point where fans are deciding who they align with need to represent their every moral and every standpoint. So if they disagree with something, then they feel like they have a right to be able to step in and say, you can't do that. You shouldn't do that because you represent me and i think that's where fan culture has developed to the point where people are starting to think that the, the artists that they love should represent them wholeheartedly and, and and i think it's a it's a real false economy there's no way that that could ever be the case.
0: I reckon it's even more difficult in the Taylor Swift case because she's someone who is completely withdrawn from giving traditional media interviews. She doesn't really have to. She's created a world where she speaks directly to her fans. Similarly to Rihanna, we've talked about this before on Bang On, but where she doesn't have a world where she's... Um, relying on traditional reviews, features, interviews, all of that as much, but she instead has this huge following and her Swifties will do her bidding and she responds in kind like she did a Lana Del Rey collaboration and she released it last week because her fans wanted her to. They're like, mm. please do it. So she has responded to their demands, their requests in previous times and she has this two-way street where she gets them to buy her merch, to buy these redone albums, to buy the uh, exclusive extended editions of records and that's a kind of symbiotic relationship. But then it flips around and there's this sort of ownership as a result of that because they're all in this kind of cauldron of, mm. of of Swifty fandom and it gets really blurry. I'm not saying in any way that she has created this world, but I think with an artist like that where she it's become so much this kind of closed circuit community it becomes really weird you know mm. it's and and people see her through a prism that they don't necessarily see other artists through that don't make themselves so accessible to their fans in that particular way
1: yeah um Shard D'Souza has written a great article to discussing this that's in The Guardian, demanding Taylor Swift dump Maddie Healy, fan culture is out of control. So that's his interesting take on it and I think it mirrors exactly what we've been saying. But there are others out there that say that this... Is a very calculated move on Taylor Swift's part. She's well aware of what she's buying into. This has always been the case with her. Her boyfriends have always been a part of her songs. It is clever. It is there is a reason. That's so cynical. I know, I know. But that people are saying that. But too. she's living
0: her life in order to create her work. Like that's that there's no humanity in it, there's no attraction. There's no just having a good root. Like seriously, it's all about the creation of her next product. That's so cynical. Yeah. Am I naive to think that's cynical?
1: I look to be honest. I just think she's such a superstar. I'm not sure that you she, don't understand. She would have a, a normal life in any way, shape, or form. Everything would be mediated by her fame. So I don't know how she makes her decisions, and I would never claim to. I couldn't. So even if she, I mean, she, if she does just want a, <laughs> want a bit of action with him, then that's great. But for her. it's never been the case with her. You know, it's, it's not as simple as that. I don't think, but I don't know.
0: Her last boyfriend, though, Joe Alwyn, wasn't someone who was very public. He was someone, I think, who, by all reports, again, the media, um, didn't like the limelight. He
1: was an actor that kind of wasn't seen that publicly. So maybe that goes against that. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's all confounding. But the fact that fans are now discussing whether or not they should stay fans with her or demand that she change what she's doing in her personal life, that, that feels to me like a whole new level of fandom. This is beyond standing. This is this is something else entirely. This is parenting.
0: Yeah, well, it's interesting that you say that because Shard actually makes a point of that towards the end of his piece and he makes it also an admission that when he was 20, he wrote a piece criticising Grimes' relationship with Elon Musk. As a 20-year-old journalist, he felt like her dating him was in direct opposition to her political leanings. He realises now, five years later that this is something that an extremely young fan believed. And it's really like when you're a fan of an artist and you're a, a preteen, a teen, even up until you sort of late teens, early 20s, music and artists are the centre of your world and you don't have a perspective like us old, I was going to say C-word, <laughs> have. You know, the, like we are saying at the start of this, like there's the... The things that matter are different now to what they were in their 20s and that's fine and that's life. But even him saying that five years on from an 18-year-old to a 23-year-old, you know, it's, this is, the the fans of Sat Taylor Swift that are demanding they break up are extremely young. They're younger than you would expect, but they should still know better than to make demands or threats over who a pop star chooses to date. You know, her life needs to remain her own. Mm. And I'm in total agreement of that. Work is work. Career is career. Your life is your life. And as much as that minces and gets really messy in the age of social media where you're expected to share so much in order to have that connection Mm. with your fans, you still got to have your own life.
1: Yeah. It just reminds me, though, of the Pete Doherty, Kate Moss era. Well, the 90s are back, baby. (laughs) The 90s are back. It's all come around again.
0: And I love that you mentioned that because just after the 90s was the birth of the hipster and you gave me a great piece that really resonated and made me think about the last 20 years because it is officially 20 years since the term hipster was kicking about. The year was 2003. Every young person today has no idea what the Frig hipster means or even uh, is. But if you're wondering, and if you're like us, of our era, it was very much about Williamsburg, you know, yeah. Bushwick, Shoreditch, I guess in Melbourne, Fitzroy, Fitzroy and in Sydney, Newtown. This is where the hipsters hung out. Yeah, And um, the definition might have been a little bit different depending on the location, but it was people who tried to live on the edge of gentrification, right on the edge, but trying to, you know, get away from normie culture, Mm. put themselves out there as something, as an alternative to that with their cool haircuts and their op shop clothes and in a way creating a scene, a hipster scene of their own. Yeah, Creating a look that now is kind of the norm itself. Like that is a normie culture sort of
1: thing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean no one balks at having a jam jar, a cocktail served (laughs) in in a jam jar these days. In fact, you'd look at it and go, oh, isn't that quaint? How sweet. But when that was happening, when everyone was getting around in check shirts looking like lumberjacks with beards and, you know, smoking pipes, ironic, non-ironically, <laughs> from tobacco they'd grown in their own backyard, non-ironically, um, you know, it was all very new and different. And, and now it just feels like a warm blanket, doesn't it? When you, if you went somewhere and they serve you a, a juice in a jar, you'd be like, oh, that's, that's cute. <laughs>
0: It also speaks to the, uh, I guess the, the sub, uh, cultures that exist that are now huge because of the internet. And again, I know we talk a lot about the internet and social media, but that's enabled these subcultures to become massive cultures. yeah. So when we were growing up it was like you were this person, you were the sporto, you were the weirdo, um, or you were the hipster. you like there was the, the groups of people that you could be were quite small especially where I grew up in kind of suburban Melbourne, but now in internet culture, You can be anything, and there's a huge community of people who are there with you. So, this idea of what is normal and what is fringe, what is hipster and what is normie. It's all blown out. It's all blown out.
1: Which is wonderful. And it's become,
0: the hipster has become commodified. You know, that idea of the hipster, the vinyl buying, um, latte sipping, jam jar drinking uh diagonal fringe wearing person mm. um is the norm
1: well it's ubiquitous it's it's everywhere yeah it and but that is essentially what happens with every trend every every style um it will eventually become so embedded into the culture that you can 't even tell where it where it began and where it ends.
0: I'm finding it strange to see the return of really bad '90s fashion at the moment. Like, you, you know, there's like you sort of cherry pick what you're going to see come back. Mm. Have you noticed that there's been a lot of fawn and kind of
1: beige ribbed turtlenecks? Yeah, I love it because that was my <laughs> that was <laughs> that was my superstar era. That's when I <laughs> I loved it. Um, snap snap cross bodysuit <laughs> under a pair of bottle green. Jeans, oversized jeans. <laughs> Explain it.
0: for anybody who doesn't know what the snap crotch bodysuit oh, was.
1: All the, all the kids are wearing them now. Um, even the young men, I love it. Um, it's just a bodysuit that's got a snap crotch so you can go to the toilet. None of this jumpsuit <laughs> business where you have to take the whole thing off. You just leave your top on and
0: And you get your 501s. So the 501s made a comeback Absolutely. You know? Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The
1: bootcut 501s? Yeah, bootcut 501s or just, you know, just... General, normal 501s, absolutely. You sound so old, don't
0: I? Tell us about what's made a comeback
1: myth. What
0: else is coming back?
1: (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if I can even tell you anymore. I had so much. I had my finger on the pulse for so long and now I'm just like, oh, gosh, I'm old.
0: I love it though. I love seeing all this stuff around. It reminds you of how long
1: you've been on this earth. I know. And that is and that is my friend a good thing. It is a good thing because everyone will get where we are eventually. There's no you can't run away from it. You actually can't run away from it. And and while you might be on the edge of culture at the moment like just looking in and judging everybody else. Eventually you'll get to the point where you're just so completely outside of culture it doesn't matter anymore and I I, I look forward to those times.
0: Oh, Auntie Miff is here to tell you what's what. Yeah. Hey, speaking of being around for a long time, next week, in a fun way, is our 250th <gasps> episode of Bang On. It's amazing. Millions of episodes downloaded, millions over the past six years. Thank you to our beautiful Bang fan. We're going to plan some fun stuff for next week. Uh, and just mark two hundred and fifty.
1: Can you believe it? It's incredible. What do we do for two hundred and fifty? We figure it out. Is there a? I mean, there's not even a marriage present you can do there because everyone died. Unless you're a vampire. Two hundred and fifty. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: was going to say quarter century, but it's not even that. No, it's quarter thousand. It's quarter thousand. Doesn't quite roll off the tongue, does it? No. Two hundred and fiftieth episode of Bang on next week. We will see you there. Until then, what are you banging on about this week?
1: Oh, I've found a podcast that I'm doing a lot of driving at the moment. I'm in my podcast era again. I I, I dropped them for ages, mm. I, and I, I've stopped watching television. I don't know what's going on. Um, I haven't had time. I think I just haven't had the time to commit to it, or maybe I watched too much during the pandemic. Could be any of those. You're things. full. I'm full. Um, and so I've been listening to a lot more podcasts, and I just found this one. I actually read about it in a roundup at the end of last year. I thought, I would better give it a go. And I found it's really cute. It's called Normal Gossip. And it's by uh, a a New York woman, uh, Kelsey McKinney. And what she does is essentially get a couple of people in and they tell stories that are normal gossip stories. They're, They're gossipy, but they're about people you don't know. So she comes from a conservative Christian upbringing, and and she really hated the way when she was growing up that her church leaders would say, you know, you shouldn't gossip, it is the work of the devil, it's all that stuff. But as you, as it turns out, gossip is the domain of women. Men would talk about politics. That's not considered gossip. That's considered practical. Mm. And the women, the only way that they could sort of do the communicating within her conservative Christian upbringing, and you'll find this in a lot of cultures and a lot of religions, uh, women had to gossip in order to get morality stories, work out how to behave, that kind of thing because we weren't allowed to talk about politics or sport because that was men's things Mm. traditionally. Mm. Um, So it's re-embracing gossip, normal gossip as a good thing and not necessarily just the bitchy thing that we've been told. It always is. And the stories are a hoot. Like you get so sucked in and they're very American, you know. Just talking like – heaps of like, you know, where are you at with this now? You know, and they're just, it's Is it the so same host
0: telling the stories or is it different same people? Same host with
1: different guests. Okay. And, they, and, and she will often ask, where are you at with your gossip? Like what's your position on gossip? Yeah. And you will find out generally that, you know, most women have grown up believing gossip is bad, so therefore we are inherently bad because we waste our time on frivolous things. But in actual fact it's far from frivolous because it gives you a way to navigate life, it gives you a way to communicate, it gives you a way to bond. It's all of those things, you know. Um, and I think that's why I like this podcast because I've only listened to a couple of them, but they're great. It's like, she's, where are you at with this now? How do you feel? <laughs> and they're like, oh, I'm giving up on this. And and the stories are just wild, but they've happened to Normal people, and that's why it's called normal gossip. Oh, hell yes! Truth is
0: always stranger than fiction. I'm here for this podcast, yeah,
1: absolutely. Normal gossip, and there is a place for gossip not bitchy gossip, Mm. but normal discussions. There's there's nothing inherently bad about it, it's information, it's figuring stuff out. Absolutely, we just haven't been able to monetize it and make it serious (laughs) like they have been able to with sport.
0: I don't know, you read the Daily Mail, don't
1: you? Yeah, I do too, actually. You're right. That's that's bitchy gossip. Yeah, it is bitchy gossip. What are you banging on about? Nearly forgot.
0: Well, that's good. You are only a split second behind. That's fine. Mm. Um, I want to bang on about something in a minute, but I just want to do a quick side bang because I've had a couple of chats with people on in my DMs about this and a few people weren't aware that Somebody Somewhere, season two, is back on binge. New season. New season. In fact, oh, it's just wrapped up. One. I think it was kind of timing with Succession actually on a Sunday night, similar sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it's just so good. So if you're not across that, we've banged on about somebody somewhere before Bridget Everett, amazing as Sam, who is a woman who returns to small town, Kansas and how she kind of figures that out. The characters are the best. The stories are normal people having normal experiences think, and done so well.
1: I think this is the vibe shift. Yeah. I think we're moving away. You Normies. Know? <laughs> we're starting to see our institutions implode. The structures are imploding. Things like sports institutions, we've seen so much bad, bad stories around all of that. Politics, finance this week, scandals, they're all imploding. Mm. And I feel like the vibe shift, and I feel like I'm only just starting to get a handle on it, is normal people.
0: Smaller stories.
1: Smaller stories.
0: Our stories, the stories we know. Yeah. Our community stories.
1: Yeah. Well, they're
0: being told really well in this new season, so jump on board. But I, like you, have also been getting back on the podcast train because I've been going on lots of walks and I have just enjoyed and finished the brilliant podcast called Saving the Franklin, which I will say, again, I know the person who made it, Joe Lauder, who's a Journalist with Hack. Love Joe Has worked particularly in the last few years as an environmental journalist, is super passionate about telling stories about the environment, about climate change, and she's telling the story over six brilliant episodes which revisits the biggest environmental movement Australia has ever seen, which was the 1982 Franklin River blockade. Mm. Of course, we've just experienced the 40th anniversary of this. There's been a few films kicking around as well around it, but the story is just wild. You know, you've got... Death threats, missing people. Oh, wow. Young people, of course, flooding in from all over the country to blockade and put themselves
1: in it front of It was huge. Bulldozers. I remember it. There was a song and everything. Let the a... Franklin flow, let the wildlife be. The wilderness <laughs> should be strong and free. Do you remember it?
0: You just, I just took a rabbit hole dive into your subconscious there. <laughs> never leaves. Write something in a song, a jingle will never leave. Yep. But it's amazing. It was the birthplace of the Greens movement. This is where that political party all began. And it's a story told so well, not just in the thing that I love, I think about it is that so many podcasts and particularly commercial podcasts are bloated because they want to keep selling ads. Yeah. ABC doesn't have to worry about that. So it's six episodes. It tells the story in the time it needs to be told. And there's no fat. The sound design is amazing. You're paddling down this Franklin River, you're getting a sense of the space, you're talking to these amazing people. Bob Brown, of course, features in it. And it's just brilliant. So highly recommend it. It's called Saving the Franklin and it is a tight six-episode story about not just that incredible environmental movement but, yeah, just thinking about what it left and also how we approach that today in terms of what we know now about climate change Mm. And, and how grateful
1: and thankful we are that they didn't get away with it.
0: Yeah. And the way that we get energy today and the way that we're thinking about a renewable energy future, all of that, it's a big understanding the past is key in figuring out what we do in the future. We know that. So it's great to get that backstory in such a brilliant way. I just loved it to bits. What, what a podcasts. week. Another big one. Mm. Uh, and it'll be a big 250 next week. Whew. I'll bring you some paper. Is that the anniversary present? <laughs> <laughs> nah, 250, it's gotta be like titanium. Yeah. A UFO.
1: Something from the moon. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> That'll do. See you next week, babe. Bye. Bye. Bang. Bang. Bang.
0: Bang. Bang.
1: Bang, Bang.
0: Bang on.